Hey everybody, welcome back to Colony Drop, your favorite Gundam podcast. My name is Isaac. And my name is Brian, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Gundam franchise. From the movies, to the animes, to the models, to the clothes, to the food, to the art, to the lore, the music, you name it, we do it all, Isaac. That's absolutely right, Brian. And we're doing something we haven't done in a while, and that's talking about an actual Gundam series. <laughs> well, you don't, you don't count Victory Gundam? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Let's say this about Victory. We're like halfway through it, right? Or something like that. And uh, we, we kind of had to hit the brakes and switch immediately to a much more interesting and well-done series. So that's all you need to know about Victory so far. <laughs> We're going to come back to it. But right now it's... Eh, uh, this was more important. This, this was a little more topical. We, yeah. You know, I don't think our timing worked out exactly, but uh, we, you know, we're going to hit Witch from Mercury now since it's the soup du jour of, of the day. So you know, I, I figured we should just accelerate and talk about it because as of today, this is a Saturday. We're recording this on Saturday. The what is it today? The first July first. So I think it's actually. Yes. I think the last episode Isaac is airing tomorrow or on Monday. Really? Yeah, yeah. So today, listeners, we are going to talk about slash discuss slash review. The first half of Witch from Mercury, I'm going to call season, I'm going to say season one, Isaac. You know, they haven't announced a season two, but it's been pretty successful. There's only 24 episodes total in this first season. I feel like we're going to get a second season, but I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully we don't get a Reconquista or, or, or Gundam x you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, it was chugging along and then they, they knocked the legs out from under us. <laughs> it just seems like it, maybe they haven't told as a big big enough story at least here in the first half so isaac i don't really want to go back into the prologue because we did a whole episode about that so if everyone wants to hear about the prologue you can go listen to our sure. prologue uh, review so i think we'll just pick it up from episode one instead of episode zero that said episode zero had a lot of setup which is pretty important to the rest of the series actually i feel like the prologue in this show is not really optional i feel like it was pretty important really oh that's interesting i almost felt the opposite Really? Where, yeah, where we see some uh, old faces yeah. from the prologue, of course, but at the same time, um, certain characters, like what happened to them in the prologue, we really almost never discuss it. We don't really see it. For me, I would definitely say the prologue is optional. Really? Wow. Even with yeah. like Prospera? I, I mean, I feel like you don't, if you don't yeah. see the prologue, you don't really know much about her, right? I know, but like there's still the, I feel like the mystery still works. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the lack of knowledge for, you know, the science that was happening and stuff, it still all still works. Delling, the small bits we saw of him in the prologue, it still works seeing him now as as the man he became. Yeah, Delling is still an enigma either way, whether you watch the, right. the prologue or not. Right, yeah, so. Okay, so let's kick it off with just the little log line on Wikipedia here, Isaac. In Ad Stella 122, 21 years after the Vanadis incident, uh, which is covered in the prologue, Suleta Mercury transfers from Mercury to the Astacasio School of Technology, an academic institution run by the megacorporation Banneret Group. Upon arrival, she encounters a girl escaping the institute, Miarine Rembrandt, who wants to escape from the control of her father. As their paths cross in the academy with different ambitions and goals, Suleta will have to prove her worth as a pilot as she steps into the academy alongside the Gundam Ariel, a mobile suit built with the forbidden gunned format technology. And then we pick up. Yeah. Isaac, you, I'm pretty sure the only way you can really watch this is on Crunchyroll, at least over here in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Isaac always has his oh, ways. <laughs> you sweet summer child. <laughs> it, it always blows my mind because I feel like you subscribe to every streaming service except the ones that Gundam is on. Yeah. <laughs> 
you're kind of right there, but like, I, I think that's just the nature of anime, where if you want to watch something, it's not very hard to go watch it. No, you just type it in Google <laughs> and so, yeah. they show it to you. So Anime is as easy to find as anything else on YouTube. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. fair. Uh, by the time it's done, this will have aired. Season one will have aired from July 2022 through July 2023. And uh, they split it into two, what they've called cores, I think that's how you pronounce it, C-O-U-R. I've never heard this term up until like a year ago when like anime started doing this. So everyone's oh, wow. calling the first 12 episodes core one, or maybe it's cooler, I don't know. God, <laughs> we thought the French were gone, and like now they're back debating <laughs> yeah, with, anime. With you this, know? this new wording structure. I've been watching anime for like 25 years, I've never heard yeah, this. Of all <laughs> the words to use. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> French. <laughs> just call it like first half and second half, I don't know. But um, anyway, so we're only going to discuss the first half here, so that's 1 to 12. So some of our questions probably have been answered in the back half, at least I really hope they've been answered in the back half, Isaac. Yeah. I gotta really don't want to recap every single thing about this show because everyone's watching it right now, so I don't think that's super useful. Right. So why don't we just yeah. jump into our uh, observations slash questions? Sure. Uh, I'm gonna start almost with like the trope, mm-hmm. right? Or should I say the counter trope? Here we start with Suleta having the Gundam right away. Oh. I wrote, "Wow, we start with the Gundam <laughs> right away." You know, no no nonsense about like a colony attack, and she gets thrown into the cockpit, uh, or, or she's not the chosen one, and like it only turns on for her. Nothing like that. She just has this from the get go. That's very true, and it, it is sort of a welcome change. I mean, that was one of our tropes that we said sort of needed to be broken, right? Um, or at least right. done a different way. So I was okay with it. So yeah, it's very different. You said it right there, Brian. Different. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so ahead of my notes. Uh, this is this might even be better at the conclusion, but this whole experience so far with just these 12 episodes was, I can only describe it as a breath of fresh air with how different Suleta is from the Gundam Pikes we've experienced how different the story and the setting are. The, the animation's beautiful. Uh, not that there's been terrible recent animation, but it, it just looks very great. <laughs> well, I just overall, keep, keep yeah. in mind, listeners, we went from watching Victory Gundam <laughs> directly to Witcher Mercury. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen Victory Gundam, but man, bless the show's heart, because <laughs> I, I think the intent was there, but sometimes the execution on that animation was maybe not the best, and this show, like you said, is gorgeous. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. The setting's great and so interesting and rich. It's just, it was a very welcome, very enjoyable breath of fresh air. Isaac's eyes were bleeding from victory. Yeah, and, I was just... So <laughs> and now they're okay. <laughs> squeezing my Degwin body pillow, just so happy. <laughs> oh, Degwin, why did you have to leave me? Yeah, it's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And I'm assuming that was their goal with this show, Isaac, was just do something totally different it almost doesn't feel you could call it something else and i would be fine with that it's not even necessarily doesn't have to be a gundam show yeah it's like um <laughs> at times it's like gundam mba or <laughs> or like um space business school mech right uh, yeah the, the anime series because like how interesting it is that we're not even at a war like the in 12 episodes they have one battle and i mean battle is in the sense of they're really trying to kill each other we have one battle, and it's such a, a small-scale incident. I think it was less than five-on-five, five, something like that. Yeah, I mean, relative to the what we would consider normal battles in other Gundam series, you're right. The battle at uh, Plant Quetta, which is basically the climax of the first half, is yeah. somewhat small-scale. I mean, there was only a few ships involved. Right, yeah. I'm not sure who you want to call the good guys, but, you know, one team was using... 
six suits, I think, tops, and the other team was using four to ten. So <laughs> that's that's not a lot from what we're used no, to seeing. Absolutely not. And for, interesting for a setting also as well, since that battle itself seemed pretty sort of underhanded, almost um, you know criminals versus business interests. But this isn't a setting where there's seemingly, to our knowledge now, after twelve episodes, it's pretty clear there isn't like a major war going on. They don't even refer to a war going on somewhere distant. There's definitely tension between different groups. The megacorps kind of run the show, clearly. I don't even think they talk about another type of government. But yeah, what an interesting beginning for a new series. Two points on that that you just brought up about there not being a war. What is going on in this world, Isaac? Because we get a little bit of background about what happened in the past, where we saw some flashbacks of sort of the the Spacians, not abusing the Earthians, but they, they seem to be, you know, corralling them, I'll say, on Earth in sort of maybe, I don't want to say slums, but it definitely wasn't the best kept up area. Yeah. And we find out that you know, the Earthians are upset because they depend on Spacian capital, I assume, to give them jobs, but the Spacians, they put them in bad labor conditions, and then the Spacians sort of spent their money and then they left, and they sort of ruined Earth. They said that the business administrative laws were used to sort of accomplish all that. It just seems like business is in charge of everything here. But like, it didn't really allude to a war. So has there never been a war in this? Is that what you took away? Um, or, or if there was, it must have happened so far in the past that Earth clearly lost. And that's why, you know, the, the, the brief incident we saw where like the protesters really pretty much went up against tanks. Yes. <laughs> well, and few suits, right? Like, they were just kind of yeah. standing there. Right, yeah. So it, it's pretty clear the Spacians pretty much run Earth the same way, you know, not too long ago, or even now, if you if you want to look at it that way. Um, the, the more wealthy nations in the world control, like, a lot of the more poor ones. So they're very much into using them as a cheap labor force, extracting their resources. It's very clear from the characters that we meet right away what almost everybody thinks about Earth, you know, at, le at least the, the much more powerful characters, the much more wealthy and influential students, what they think about Earth. Very few of them seem to be um, a bit more open to be nice to, you know, Earthians or having a, a kind thing to say about Earthians. And the Earthians at the school that we see are definitely, um, they're, they're not the A-team. <laughs> <laughs> and they definitely lack for confidence. <laughs> yeah, they, they have less resources and maybe their execution is not always on point. But they're, they're lovable, those Earthians at the school. Yeah, they're all underdogs, and uh, they stick together, and yeah, even their area is, like, kind of farther away from, like, the nicer areas on the space station. Hey, man, real estate's cheap. You got to move far away if you want, if you want an affordable uh, living arrangement. Sort of interesting also is that the Spacians absolutely do not get along with each other. No, no, not at all. There's a lot of jockeying amongst themselves. Some of them view themselves as better than other types of Spacians. Uh, Suleta's looked down on. Mercury's clearly looked down on as a backwater. There's a lot of things going on as far as relationships. And everyone's connected to like a, a megacorp family that's really running things. Just a very rich and interesting setting. And you really had to kind of pay attention and listen to... Uh, to pick up on conversations about how it all relates and interweaves. That leads into my second question on that. So one of the houses or one of the you know corporations is Jeturk Heavy Machinery, I believe. And, you know, Mr. Jeturk, I guess. I forget his first name. He makes a comment that like when they're, you know, when they're talking about letting Ariel be and, and being able to learn from it instead of just confiscating it. 
He says, oh, well, you know, the other companies are gaining in market share on mobile suits recently. So maybe it would be good if we could, like, see what this thing can do and, you know, use it for ourselves. But, like, what are people in this world using mobile suits for, Isaac, if they're not fighting a war? I mean, look, I love mobile suits, but they really only have one purpose. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, too. And, and a few characters later on say things like, oh, the weapon industry is stagnating. You know, this this Gundam thing would be a good opportunity. But again, that raises the question of, well, we haven't really seen a war happen. Uh, they, I don't even think they've referred to one happening like way out in the distance by, who knows, maybe Jupiter or something like that, another solar system. Maybe they should have done that so that we'd be kind of like, oh, okay, of course, Earth is still supplying weapons and stuff, and space is supplying weapons to whatever's going on over there. But um, yeah, we didn't really get that unless this is just a case of, well... This is a time of peace, but people are absolutely still building and supplying and um, storing up weapons just in case. Yeah, you know? maybe they want to start a war, I guess, is the implication. But Right, or, I mean, the corporations clearly have more or less standing armies, so this might be a case of, well, there isn't a war, but everybody's still arming themselves and working on some weapons just to stay sharp. Yeah, that's fair. Just from the get-go, from episode one... Oh my God! So many women characters. This is uh, another breath of fresh air. Another another new kind of territory in Gundam. I mean, we had the Shrike team, sure, but um, dare I say it's majority female characters? Not by a huge margin, but by a sizable lead. <laughs> I would say that's definitely true on the student side, and even on yeah. even on the older yeah, the character corpse. side, I would say right? it's at least fifty-fifty. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair. They even got that that corporation that's like four women siblings, the 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 quadruple quadruplets or whatever they're yeah, called. Yeah, apparently they're all co CEOs, which I thought was funny. Well, I mean, if they're all sisters, I imagine that that would probably be pretty stable, right? They all know each other by now. So yeah, I mean, I wonder if they'll explain more about them because is that the same house that has the enhanced guy, Elon? Or El- yes, Ellis? yeah, I think so. Do you think they're actually sisters, or or they're all just? Like, maybe ah. one of them is real, and, and three are numbers two, three, and four. Or there's a five. Could be. That we Could haven't be. seen yet. Yeah. She never shows her face, because those little drones are out doing whatever she tells them to do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I would bet on. That would be a neat twist, yeah. but uh, I don't know. Okay. I thought it was kind of weird that they all look the same, right. and then they all look different. I was like, well, are they actually related, or are they from, like... A culture that's in space. Everyone on that colony is blue and blonde eyed, blue haired, <laughs> uh, blue eyed and blonde haired. Yeah, I believe they have a name for that colony. I think it was uh, Area. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had me going there because I was like Ariel, and then I was like Arian, and was, no. <laughs> you can't see me, listeners, but I have blue hair, blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> I have blue eyes and blonde hair. But you're right. Even if by the end of the show, if ignoring the prologue, uh, three out of the four Gundam pilots in the show are female. You have Suleta, uh, Sophie, and uh, Norea, I think was the other one's name. Prayers have been answered, Brian. And also, Isaac, you mentioned how like rich the design is of the show. I want to know more about the physical design of the school, because that thing is pretty neat. It reminds me of a lot of those when we did the, the colony episode right. about the old colony art you could see in like the 70s. The school looks like sort of four terrariums that sort of rotate around an asteroid. It's like definitely a step away from the grittiness and the real you know i'll say realism in quotes of the universal century i want to just know more about how it works and like like what it does it's like very different than an o'neill cylinder 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you could almost do an episode on just the different space colonies we've seen just in this these first 12 episodes because it's such a new, fresh take. Not a single O'Neill colony or any type of colony we've seen before. It, it almost looks like the approach in this universe is they find an asteroid and then they slap the colony onto, <laughs> onto the asteroid. <laughs> yeah, nothing can be built standing on its own. It has to be attached to an asteroid. They all have kind of like this white color scheme, but they all seem very spacious. So that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really neat. It was a good, again, breath of fresh air. So everyone unique. None of them looked the same. So that was cool. So it made it made it feel like each one probably was purpose designed by each corporation that actually owns it. They'd absolutely not look at the same. A lot of this show was so fresh that every time a fresh thing came on the screen, I was like, oh, I want to know more about that. But then there wasn't enough time because, you know, there's not that many episodes in this show. So we're not going to get a lot of background. It's just kind of like, well, here it is and draw your own conclusions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But man, cool visuals just from the get go. Speaking of different and interesting things, Suleta is just so different than most Gundam pilots we've seen. And not just because of her gender, but because of just her personality. She's like, a fish out of water that can be nervous and insecure so quickly, right? Yep. And we got that with a lot of young pilots, too, in previous series. But uh, Suleta almost, like, she really approaches a little a level of being, you know, frantic and kind of falling apart under pressure, sometimes rising to the occasion, too. But she's very um, uh, emotional and almost, uh, I don't even know that the... The archetype term for her character that's just sort of a comedic klutz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I had to describe her, I th- you know, in like three words, right? Um, klutz, naive, adorably shy, and yeah, yeah. and uh, endearing. <laughs> endearing is what I wrote down for her. Yeah, there you go. I, I like Suleta a lot. You know, she has the little keychains. She has her little phrases. She says like Suleta Forgetta. Uh, she does that like safe call, you know, when uh, whatever his name is, is trying to kiss her or whatever. I will say, though, while I like her, Isaac, she's not really what I expected. I expected like a, quote, strong female protagonist. And I'm I don't know if she's that like I like Suleta. But if someone was looking for a strong female protagonist from the show, are they satisfied with her or is she too klutzy and too weird? Uh, I'm not sure at the beginning. Definitely. I can see her being a bit of a disappointment to some people. But by the end, based on something she does in the final episode, yeah. <laughs> I, she absolutely transforms into someone that um, you can absolutely count on to save you, I think. Yeah. What do you think about her as as a pilot, though? Like, I'm actually not sold on her yet as a pilot because most of her winning is her using the gun bits sort yeah. of to her advantage and, and her Gundam just basically being better than everyone else. And then even when she, like, overcomes things, it's, it's that sort of magical overwhelm, I'm just going to try harder, and it kind of works out. Like, like you know, when they bring out the anti-gun technology and she just, like, tries harder and then it just, like, a big circle shows up and it just can't, what do they call it, the antidote? It cancels out the antidote and, and they're just like, ah, that right. doesn't work after permit score three. And it's like, oh, well, okay. Like, <laughs> I guess that's good. <laughs> yeah, I. that's an interesting question to throw to me because I'm kind of conflicted with how she did in situations where lies were on the line. Yeah. And then how she did at the school training, <laughs> which was horrible. Under controlled circumstances, she does terrible, like routinely. 
But outside, when there's actually like fighting, fighting, and people are dying, she manages to pull things off. So I guess she's somebody that like under pressure, things work out. But the rest of the time, you you couldn't count on them to like you know mail an envelope or something. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we get more. I'm sure we will of her, of her fighting more seriously in the back half with maybe the the other two um, you know female gun and pilots, Sophie and uh, and Araya. I, I assume we're gonna see them again. So th- those seem like good opponents for her. Speaking of those two Gundams, though, not a fan mm. <laughs> of the design. I felt like those were pretty bad colors to pick for villains. I, they almost like they wanted a color to, to match the ship that they came in. <laughs> not a fan of the two villain Gundams we see out the gate. And I'm not including, you know, other mobile suits we saw. Like the, what was the one uh, Elan piloted? Yeah, he piloted the uh, Fair Act. Okay, that wasn't a Gundam, though, was it? Even though it kind of had a face. They said it was a Gundam, so I'm counting okay. that one as a Gundam. Yeah, it's right. actually it called Gundam, Gundam Ferrect or Ferrect. That, that one, much more interesting looking. Technically not an opponent, because I feel like even though they fought, it wasn't to the death. You know, all, yeah. those, all those school fights, I never really considered those like her actual enemies. Because it, it clearly seems like when the chips are down, they're all on the same side. Yeah. For the actual enemies that we first see, I wasn't too impressed. I agree. They're very bland. And something is off about them on the proportions. The Lefrith Thorn, the legs are too short. It, it looks very strange. I don't like it. The Lefrith Ur is just a little boring. It also seems a little bit too stocky. They're, they're very bland, which is very surprising given the other mobile suits. They, they definitely weren't as bland as those. It's the same. I feel the same way about the Delonzo, which we already talked about, I think, in the yeah. one episode. Um, that's just too short and stocky for me. So I have the same problem with, with those as I do the Delonza, but I like the fair act. Yeah. I thought that was a good one. That was, it's very evil looking. I think that was the point. <laughs> yeah. It definitely matches it. Actually. Hmm. I thought Elon would have like something that was be maybe more neutral looking. Cause he's kind of a understated guy, you know, but that was pretty more sinister. It looking. looks very artificial, which matches him. Okay. Speaking of, uh, evil looking. What did you think of the new shark clone? Uh, Lady Prospera. No, well, actually, ooh, ooh, see, that's oh, okay. interesting. Fair. It, it's which, almost as if they split Char, right? That's a good point. So which one are you talking yeah. about? I'm talking about Blondie. Blondie, okay, Shattuck. <laughs> which, dare I say, is maybe maybe the, the real identifier of the shark clone is the blonde hair. That's a good point. Because cause we know that mask is not going to stay there the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a mask. So yeah, I'll, I guess yeah. I'll answer both parts. Yeah, let's do it. So Shattuck, I thought was great. I thought he was the most compelling of the younger antagonists. So out of Ghoul, Alon, and Shattuck, I definitely like Shattuck the most. He clearly is the most mastermindy of them all. Yeah. Maybe the most interesting thing was I thought it did seem, at least in, in a few instances, that he did have real feelings for Meereen and that those feelings were returned, at least somewhat. Um, but then at the same time, he did attack, he did orchestrate the attack on the plant at the end. And he's like, well, if yeah. she's lucky, she'll survive. And I was like, well, okay, maybe you don't love her that much. But <laughs> very sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I liked him. Did you, did you like him? Um, I was trying to figure it out. I was like, well, there's no mask. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, well, he's the only blonde guy here. So we know who he is. And then I, I, a lot of things kind of raised the red flag for me where I was like, ah, he's an orphan. Yep. Okay. There you go. Well, we're going to learn about his parents. And then uh, j- just how out of all the characters, he was the only one that was consistently superficially charming. Yeah. 
even the people he doesn't really need to be. Like at the the investment meeting where he is, whatever her name was, um, the roast beef, because she clearly, I don't know what her problem was. They were only serving one type of food. <laughs> Just <laughs> take it. So um, I made a special <laughs> note about the food for you, Isaac. Did you notice yeah, that the okay. food served at that place was a perfect representation for basically every wedding that you've ever been to that serves right? the steak <laughs> or the chicken with the mashed potatoes and the yes. vegetables and the mashed potatoes yeah. are always the best part <laughs> you know what i'm gonna i'm actually surprised that they only really were serving one thing because <laughs> you know for for that much money in that building there should have been like a huge spread right <laughs> of all kinds of different things more options but yeah yeah instead somebody wanted to save money and was like look there's gonna be roast some asparagus and that's about it <laughs> yeah you get your three asparaguses two carrots and like one like purple potato and like that's yeah. it you know what? Now I don't blame her for taking her time because, like, she probably got to the table hungry and she was like, well, it's all the same thing. So I just need to pick who, whichever one is the best cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, fair. <laughs> but anyways, back to uh, Blondie. He's a snake in the grass. He is his mask. I'm going to go ahead and say that superficial outer shell of him always being charming and happy is the mask. Oh, I like that interpretation. Underneath it is when we learned about the whole background of his family whatever that is we're gonna find out he's just a wolf in sheep's clothing well and to his credit he's really going for it i mean he you know he started yeah. the operation two hours early to, to try to kill jaturk and it worked in a bad very bad way for our friend ghoul is that how they pronounce his name in the dub ghoul i don't think it was ghoul i think it was, was something it else Some, i think so oh whatever but whoa that poor guy he had a bad day <laughs> yeah that, that memory's gonna last a while Definitely should have not established contact after stabbing the cock. <laughs> Gotta check those call signs next time. I don't know. Okay, but switching back to the oh. other half of Char. Yes. Prospera. Lady mask. If I think of it just about the mask for a second, do we think it's a good evolution of the mask? Um, I think so. It's dif- it's different than all the other masks. It's not just another paper mache mask or whatever Zex's was made out of. It supposedly serves a purpose. Her her cover story is a lot better than the cover story that Char gave in Origin. I'll, I'll give her that. <laughs> that would be great. I, I lost my arm and my eyesight playing lunar rugby. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about the mask, Isaac, is I think it's one of those things where I think the mask looks cool now, but like, will it age well? Like, in 10 years, will someone say, wow, Prospera's mask looks stupid? Hmm. That's a good question. Because like, Char's mask has kind of stood the test of time a little bit. Yeah, probably because it's so close to like a normal mask. Hers, though, we're meant to believe those are like optical sensors on her face. But I I suspect there's going to be a situation where she takes it off or the mask falls off. And we're going to see that she's probably normal underneath. Oh, absolutely. I think she's normal. Yeah. The robot arm was the only thing. But the face thing, no. That's all for show. Yeah. And not to segue too much, but after War Gundam X, the United Nations Earth's, uh, their version of the GM... It has the the optical sensors are in the exact same format as hers. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I think that was maybe a, a throwback to the. Uh, I think they're called Dotresses, the mm, Dotress yep. series of right. uh, mobile suits. Yeah, they look a lot the same. But um, oh god, even though she's wearing a mask, she is absolutely just confidently rolling around. You know, the system just doing all kinds of deals and little tricks and stuff. Absolutely. So. Th- I wrote down biggest question number one and biggest question number two after the first half. And she is biggest question number one. What is her goal, Isaac? Why is she acting now all of a sudden? And so brazenly, to your point, you know, obviously by coming to the school 
sending Suleta there with the aerial, people were going to know that it was a Gundam right away, which to, which to Delling's credit, he did, right? When they were, they were at that little hearing and then she's like, it's not a Gundam. And he's like, no, it's a Gundam. Like F you. I was like so <laughs> glad that he called BS on that right away. Cause everyone was like, come on now, like, look at it. It looks exactly like the one that we saw before. And it, it does all the same things. And at the very end, she's, she's getting a little bit manipulative with Suleta, encouraging her to fight in such a direct way. She's all of a sudden helping Delling finish whatever Quiet Zero is. That's another question. We'll get to that in a second. It must be something worth doing. Is it revenge? It can't just be revenge, though. Why doesn't she could just kill Delling when she's talking to him? But she's helping him. What what is this woman doing? There's going to be a plot that's going to take a while to unfold. But I think this is like a type of layered revenge, or she's she's here to break down the whole Benaret group and she's going to help the witches revive or something like that. I don't know. I don't know, but it's... It has it, to be it, big, though, it, right? It's brewing, yeah. It's boiling in the pot, Brian. Oh, I love the pun. You see what he did there, everyone? I hope you... <laughs> I'm going to timestamp that. Boiling in the cauldron, I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> like a witch's brew. God, some of those meetings were so interesting. Like It was such very good writing, right? Where they're, she's making her points, and right. then like they're, they're accusing her back. Like, look, you're kind of saying you're innocent because we don't have enough evidence, but you're not really proving it, it. It was such an interesting back and forth. Yeah, they were like, uh, prove it's not a Gundam. She's like, you can't prove it is a Gundam. So, ha. Yeah. They were like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> she's yeah. like, yes, it does. Delling just has so much power. Like Certain meetings, it's like, well... We almost don't need to discuss that much because Delling's going to tell us what to do anyway. <laughs> right, right. Or he'll just refuse to act like he did when they finally yeah. started the Gundam thing. At the startup meeting, yeah, all he really had to do was like invest like the smallest amount of money and then everybody else just bum-rushed. Yeah, you know? yep. My favorite part about that was after the fact when he was like telling Mirene like how well she did, right? And yeah, instead of saying like, you know what, you did a great job, he like chided her about accepting some convertible bonds because they're going to dilute her ownership later. And I was like, I was like, is someone on the staff? Like, do they have a background in finance? Like, <laughs> it's really random to, to be like, you did good, except for those convertible bonds. You really f***ed up right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so interesting too, about this setting. Just one of the writers clearly had to know, right? Cause God, in so many scenes, like they're like, oh, you know, I specialize in business management. And then someone else is like, oh, well, you know, we're having a meeting today and we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> trying not to dilute the shareholder equity. <laughs> I, I got to say, this is the most exciting business ever gets, though, people. If, if you're like in school or like going to go to college and thinking about business, I guarantee you it's not going to be like this when you get out. So <laughs> there's not mass meetings where people decide to no. invest in startups <laughs> through their phones. <laughs> That's not how it works. Maybe on Shark Tank, but beyond that. Your space your space colony doesn't get attacked by space pirates. <laughs> it's not an everyday occurrence. Uh, okay, well, moving along, what did you think of uh, maybe not our big bad after all, Delling? So he he's my biggest question number two. Ooh. As a character, he's fine. He, he serves his purpose in this first half, but like... We don't know anything about him, Isaac. What is his beef with Gundams? Why does he hate them so much? My theory is that his wife must have died due to one somehow, whether piloting it, whether being killed by it, because he obviously tried to eradicate them in the prologue, and now he's sort of willingly accepting help from Prospera, who he knows is really Elnora. I I feel like he must want to use Gundarm for something, is it to bring his wife back? Is it, is he is he like Mr. Freezing this show, Isaac? 
<laughs> That's a good question. Um, I don't think we're going to get like a Rustile alien situation with him. Well, he might be going down for the count. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, the way episode 12 leaves off, he's not doing so great. From what we've seen, I don't think he's the big bad. There's no way he's the big bad in the end. He's going to get replaced, pushed out, maybe die, but it's not him. I agree. I don't think he's the big bad at the end either. That would be too simple. Yeah, but what he's actually after, who knows? Why he, why the zeal against witches, and it's pretty clear some other some other uh, elements of the, the Benaret group are not maybe okay with him, but a little bit less concerned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely see the witches coming into play as more episodes come. They were pretty effective. Their leader guy, Naji, I think was his name. He was cool. He reminded me a lot of the guy from uh, Unicorn who captained the Garancier or whatever it was called. The Zeon guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Same kind of almost animation, right? right the big yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess there's sort of a pro-Earthian rebel group. With some resources. I mean, they've got Gundams and they can pilot them. Maybe they're being helped clearly by uh, certain elements in the Benaret group. Yeah, speaking of Delling, I assume everyone who's watched the show past us probably knows this now, but what do you think Quiet Zero is? It seems like a super weapon, perhaps? Maybe a colony laser? But I don't know why you would need aerial data for that. I mean, it's a laser, you just point and shoot. Yeah, it must not be. It must be a, um, maybe it's a Neo Zeong type thing, where like a Gundam has to interface in it, and it's a giant mobile suit. Ooh, or okay. mobile armor, you I can know, see that. something epic on scale. That's good. I hadn't thought of that. I was thinking more like hard sci-fi. Like, is it is it like a true AI type of thing? The name Zero is interesting. My joke answer for this, Isaac, is it's uh, it's it's Unit Zero from Gundam Wing. This is where they actually built it because <laughs> we got so little like background on that in the show. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really know what it is. It, it's clearly the building mystery. So. Okay, so you're th- you're taking Neo Zeong. I'm gonna say it's some sort of AI thing, but it's in like a big area, so maybe you're you're onto something there, size wise. I'd, I'd figure there'd be a, a large scale, you know, more cinematic device or armor or something like that, where they're gonna need. And for all we know, it's gonna end up being powered by like you know the blood of witches or something. You know? Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll say something wacky. That that's where the witches were taken. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an angel halo situation, sort of. Yeah. Speaking of angel halo and uh, little tropes like colony drops or Gundam weapons of mass destruction, Brian, are you glad that we got something to add to the list of strikes and punches in Gundam history? We we now have the Suleta spank. Wait, she spanked someone? Remember uh, Ghoul? Uh... She spanked his butt. Oh, no, I don't <laughs> remember that. They were, they were in, like, the greenhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah, and she was making him apologize. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right, all right. Uh, yeah, I am glad. Especially, I'm especially glad because of the alliteration, the Suleta spank. You know, that's, that's there you perfect. There yeah. Bright slap, Suleta spank. I have a sticker of the bright slap. Now I want a, a sticker of the Suleta spank, so someone, someone get on it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what else is on your list, Brian? This is something that's been bothering me. And again, maybe this has been answered in the back half, Isaac. But the math isn't adding up here. Okay, so the prologue took place in Adstella 101, which, by the way, Adstella is the, the calendar here. And Ari was four. The rest of the show takes place in Adstella 122, but Suleta's 17. So it's only been 13 years since she was four, but 21 years have passed in the real world. Huh. Did Elnora put her in stasis? 
<laughs> is Suleta not airy? Did they fudge the application at the school? <laughs> Maybe. Is she older? <laughs> is that why she's so tall? <laughs> Those Mercury records. <laughs> Prospera does call Suleta and Ariel her daughters. Suleta does refer to the gun bits as everyone. I don't know. Is there a chance that Suleta's not airy? But that doesn't make sense. Oh. She would need... I mean, her dad died. Well... You can't get another one. <laughs> as we saw with Elan, uh, you clearly can swap in... <laughs> fakes of yourself oh that's fair that's fair so it's possible something else is going on here but i'm gonna say poor writing (laughs) it can't be that poor you would catch that on day one come on i mean things happen that's intentional (laughs) okay okay we'll see how that unfolds then i i I can't really answer that but if the numbers don't make sense time dilation between mercury and The rest of the solar system, because I mean, time moves differently depending on what planet you're on. That, uh, I don't know. that requires you to be moving at a very high rate of speed, which which they are not. No. So I, I don't know. So, something's going on there, but hopefully that's been answered. Unless I have those numbers wrong. But I'm pretty sure that's those are the facts. So Yeah. What's next on your list, Isaac? Next on my list is something that I, it's very unique to this series. And I, I'm going to actually kind of say it's it's a bit of a negative because it flows against the setting. And that's the whole, if you beat me in a duel, we're mm. engaged. Because in this world where the people dueling at the school are the heirs of these massive fortunes and co- corporations, and as much dealing and, and precise, meticulous detail, clearly these corporations do when dealing with each other, there's no way in hell they would ever consent to like their children being engaged to someone, some other corporation's heir, just at something uh, so trivial as a duel. That rubbed me the wrong way. It, it didn't make sense to me in the setting, and I thought it was kind of a mistake. I agree, and the way I thought about this was that must have been the conceit of the show. Like, that must have been the pitch. Because a lot of the first half, besides the last two episodes, is really all about dueling. And, like, I honestly didn't think the show was going to revolve so much around dueling. I guess it sort of no. makes sense because you're, sh- you're at a school and you can't be, like, killing people every day with your mobile suit. But you're right. There's like one line in the show, right, where they just say, well, Delling decided that Meereen would marry whoever the holder is. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense, given what we know about Delling. So (laughs) either that's completely like BS and he's just doing it to like mess with everybody and he's totally not going to honor it. Or it's just terrible writing. Not only that, but like it... it (laughs) As we saw, you could end up in a situation where you're engaged... (laughs) <laughs> where, where two women got engaged. Right, yep. <laughs> yep. So I thought that was very progressive of the series to show that. Uh, right away, too. That was episode one. Yeah, right. I would assume that means they'd have two men get engaged, depending on who wins. But yeah, it could right? be. Could be. So, yeah. And, and something else I noticed about this series that was very progressive, besides just that, um, you know, two women getting engaged, and then also um, the number of women, was uh, Elan, or at least the clone Elan, the double Elan, fake Elan. He was really effeminate out of, like, all the men, you know? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously yeah. we didn't get too much more on him, given <laughs> given his fate. No. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see that for sure. That was also, that was pretty sad, you know, his his demise. Uh, definitely called back to the prologue and, and the happy birthday. Brian, he does not have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? I mean, he, he was, well, how do you think that process works? I mean, he, he is a real person, right? They just I gave him a yeah, new face? I, yeah, it seemed to be. And then, I don't know, I figured the deal would be, well, we're going to switch you back once you're, you know, done with the job. But 
not <laughs> no you know no. We, we put we put you in front of that microwave um <laughs> <laughs> the thing that bothered me about that the most wasn't actually the execution because the execution was okay if not a little vague right they didn't give us a, a huge amount of information about exactly what he was maybe we'll get that in the back half i don't know but it, what, it, what it reminded me a lot of isaac is how they treated new types in double o where like all of a sudden like one of the pilots was a new type and he or like a or I'm going to say cyber new type, right? And his mind was a little messed up and he had his girlfriend who was also a cyber new type. And then it just seems like they they try to get that angle in every show somehow. And sometimes it's unnecessary. So I don't know if it's really necessary here. No, it's not. And I, I really want to learn more about why is this even happening with Prime Milan? Yeah. It's such a, a bizarre thing to do. Like, what else are you doing with your day? You know? <laughs> yeah. Now, now if, if you're right, and maybe there's a Suleta Prime out there that's older and they relate it, and it comes back to that, then I could see that being a big deal. But if he's going to be the only guy that we see like that, Isaac, I do feel like it's a little unnecessary. Yeah, and are we on the same page that Delling is probably not okay with this? Yeah, I would say not. I mean, he, what's weird yeah. is Delling seems to trust Prospera more than he trusts any of the three houses. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. She, he definitely views her as, like, an equal when they're dealing. He's not welcoming, but he's definitely treating her like an equal, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't really kind of bark orders at her as he does everybody else. Right. So maybe they've met before. Oh, that's it. Oh, oh they have to have met before. Maybe. Oh, maybe they're in a duel. <gasps> they were in a duel once, and they were going to get engaged, and then something happened. Mm. Oh, it broke well, off. Oh, I don't know about that, but... No. <laughs> I'm telling you, these duels break hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of breaking hearts, it feels like it's very dangerous to allow students to, like, walk into the battlefield when a duel is happening. How has one student not died yet? It just seems, like, not okay. Did they sign permission slips for this when you enter the school? You have to. Oh, God. That school's such, like, a wild west. As beautiful as it is, like, you know, those useless bodyguards standing around while, like, the bullies wrecked a greenhouse. Yeah. The instructors on those on the battlefield, to your point, boy, they run a tight ship, don't they? Like, oh. <laughs> Is something wrong? So, uh, enemy team sabotage your mobile suit? Well, it's up to you to, to like, <laughs> you, you got to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like when they, when the, whoever it was screwed over Shuleta by turning on the sprinklers, the, they were like, well, that's oh. just part of the rules. You use your network and you call in your help. And I was like, man, that's not very fair. <laughs> that was another problem I had. And I wrote that down. I am not a fan of the water stopping the beam because. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. These beams that punch through like hyper dense alloys and melt them completely are stopped by water, dissipated <laughs> by water. Get the heck out of here. Are you out of your mind? That beam should have like given off a, a column of steam going you know horizontally <laughs> across the battlefield. Nonsense. Just pure nonsense. That was weak writing. That's a, that's a thumbs down. I can buy it if you're underwater. And we see that sometimes in, in the UC, right? I think they even say that in the original show. Like, the beams aren't as powerful underwater, which I get that. That makes sense. You're, you're under a lot of water, and the beam's not just going through a little bit. But yeah, here it was just kind of like, oh, it's raining. Bummer. Your beams don't work anymore. And I was like, man, you guys should be carrying squirt guns into, like, battle. <laughs> yeah, or, like, regular uh, ballistic rounds would have been so much more effective, right? They don't care about the rain. Did you catch that, though? Uh, bl ballistic yeah. rounds are banned for space junk reasons. Right. I thought, well, they were in the school, so I figured, well, actually, it would have been safer in the school to actually use, like, rubber ballistic rounds or something, right? Or paintball, which we saw, like, in 0083, right? Right, yeah, but... No, they just use beams. Straight up deadly beams. Yeah. 
one of the space pirates said that, right? He was like, hey, how dare you pollute space? Yeah, which actually makes sense. Because if you think about it, given all the space travel in the Universal Century and the millions and millions of pounds of debris that must be out there, including bullet casings, they must have an incredibly efficient and organized space junk cleanup program in the Universal Century to be able to continually you know, transit to and from Earth. Brian, we know they do, and you know their name. What's their name? Oh, maybe not. <laughs> uh, the Bunch Concern. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which that's became true. the Rona family. That's how they got made their money. They cleaned up all the shoal zones oh, and battlefields Oh, that's right. And stuff. Okay. Yeah. Got all that scrap metal money and built a private army. <laughs> yeah. They should show that. I want a, I want an OVA about, about trash cleanup. Yeah, right? Like, they don't tell us really the company, and then at the end they reveal it's Bunch Concern. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Brian, if your bank account had like uh, you know uh, twenty zeros at the end of it, right. would you would you want your children, your teenage children, going to a school where in duels they might end up engaged to somebody? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't make any. That's why I'm saying the whole thing is like a. They go through all these machinations to backstab everyone, but then the thing that really matters is like duels at a school that they don't even really have control over. Yeah. It, it, it just makes zero sense. And that's why I'm saying I think they came up with a dual concept first, and then they layered everything on afterwards. And then by that point, you're like, oh, crap. In like retrospect, the dual thing doesn't make sense based on everything that we put around it. But we already put everything around it, and we got to go. It, it feels almost a little Harry Potter. Right, it's exactly it's very Harry like, Potter. That's exactly what it yeah. is. And remember, I, called, I said this show would be like Harry Potter. But how is so. Yeah, and the witch reference and all that. It's maybe the the corporate heads kind of let it go because they know. Well, if you think about this, isn't as severe as you think because almost the next day you can guarantee you'll be engaged to somebody else. (laughs) They all kind of got lucky that they have kids that are the same age that can be there at the same time competing for that. Because like if if you don't have kids that are that age, you're just screwed, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre too that it trumps everything. You know, like what if what if the two women aren't attracted to each other? You know, what if two men get engaged and, like, you know, one of them's okay with it and the other one's not? Well, well, then it's just like The Bachelor. They they, yeah. they do it on the show, but then afterwards they're like, and six months later they split up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe there's no divorce in this world. <laughs> oh, that's so, How do you that's enforce so weird. That? Does Cathedra also enforce that? There's mergers and acquisitions and massive business deals, but it, these engagements, these bizarre dueling engagements, they're set in stone. <laughs> It's all, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's very strange. <laughs> Interesting for sure, but I, I don't see the corporations going along with it at all. Well, that's what I'm saying. I want to see the end result where they say, okay, well, this is what's going to happen. They, they, they wouldn't be okay with it. It would result in the same coup that we saw in episode 12. Yeah. Like they would just fight about it, right? True. Yeah. Or I don't know. Just have another duel and like you'll get out of it. It's that easy. Oh, you know? yeah. You could just keep having more duels until you're satisfied. Yeah. Another negative, Isaac, is, at least I thought, I mean, maybe it's not a negative. I guess this is subjective. I was not a huge fan of both the opening and the ending songs. Neither of them did anything for me. Ah. Yeah, I'm right with you on that. I gave the first one a couple listens, and then I was like, nope. Yep, I skipped it every time after. Ending, I hit skip right away. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, this is 12 episodes. We still got uh, a lot more episodes, I hope, so... We'll see how things go, but um, this won't be added to my playlist. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, hundred percent agree. So I'd be curious what your thoughts on that, listeners. Or do you do you love this one? Am I just like that out of touch? Because these, I'm kind of they didn't they did nothing for me. And it's interesting that we had the same opinion. So that's true. Could be generational. 
Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. What did you think of the Gundam Medical Company? <laughs> you know what? I like that song more. The Gundam Inc. song more. <laughs> oh, I love the song. I think we're gonna we're gonna sing it and put it at the end of this episode. <laughs> You know what? It had nothing to do with what their product was. <laughs> that stupid video. Like, well, I didn't even know they're gonna make a video, and then they're still working like the medical legs. I thought that was weird yeah. watching those legs kind of run around a little uncanny valley. But um, it, it was like watching that that one company that makes those robotic four legged yeah. dog things. It's I, I'm sure they meant to ape that a little bit. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Gundam Medical Company was not on my bingo card for the witch from mercury <laughs> well i mean that was cardo's whole thing from the prologue like that's what she wanted to do with the technology remember so <laughs> I, I could see it coming back i still think cardo's not dead but we'll see maybe she's um, quiet zero you know i don't know oh she's like a brain in a giant mobile yeah. suit they dogated her yeah <laughs> the, the ending really went from uh you know 60 to 100 uh, with a splat oh I yeah I, I wrote i called it the pancake in my notes the pancake. Got the strawberry Gundam pancake. <laughs> Do you think Miareen was justified in calling her a murderer at the end? I mean... Because, like, Suleta saved her life, so... Yeah, no, not her life, but Delling's life. Right. We're in the middle of a battle. Like, it, it, we kind of have to kill people just to survive. I felt like she jumped to the word murderer, but she might have meant you killed somebody, you know? Yeah. Which, I, I I know they sound sort of similar, but let, let me rephrase. In the middle of a battle, you know, saying, oh, you killed somebody, you know, almost like, well, I've never killed somebody, I've never seen you kill somebody, but right now you just killed somebody and you saved me and, you know, President Delling so we can get the heck, the heck out of here. Yeah, I mean, I'll forgive her for being emotional in the moment, but at the same time, show some thanks because you were about to get, you know, get off yourself. Yeah, maybe it was also because Suleta, like, she had, like, blood on her glove, and then she was a little campy about it, you know? Yeah, I think the transition between Suleta being like uncertain about it and then to your point being all bloody and completely fine with it was that was probably too soon. Right? That like there was no in between there. It did seem a little odd, but that was definitely a big shock factor for for an ending. Yeah, I wasn't really sure if like Suleta does not does she not have an emotional reaction to killing people or is is this part of just her personality or she's kind of, you know, awkward kind of campy goof? It was it was a very odd tone to close out, and yeah, I didn't see it happening. Uh, her first kill on a screen like that with, with a mobile suit, but not against another mobile suit. <laughs> How unusual, <No>. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very eighth MS teamy. <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of um, going back to the past, like eighth MS team, uh, does this school's logo absolutely? look like the titans logo to you absolutely i get them confused now yeah. because i've been looking for gundam stickers for my uh gunpla toolbox uh -huh. and i keep seeing the damn school logo and thinking it's a titans logo right okay i'm glad it wasn't just me because i saw it they showed it to us closer a lot of the times and i'm like oh my god that's the titans uh, bird of prey yeah <laughs> yeah and i keep thinking to myself wow like i'm shocked that there's so much titans love out there and then i realize that it's because this is the new show and everyone likes it so yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume that by putting that, that emblem as their school logo and stuff, that more episodes will reveal that these megacorps, they're, they're not just kind of neutral bad, but they'll eventually be revealed to be pretty damn bad when things start getting worse. Yeah, probably very bad. And I, I wonder if it has to do with permit. So this is another question I have about the show, Isaac. What is, or what do we think permit is? It's obviously the Adstella version of Minofsky Particles... GN particles, 
etc. Mercury is the new Jupiter. The uh, the only real background we get, I think there was two different times they mentioned that one one time they said permit can be mined on the moon and Mercury, and they can now mine it on the moon. So I, it sounds like Mercury had that specialty before, and now that they can do it on the moon, that's why people left Mercury because it's not necessary. You can just do it on the moon now. I mean, the the phrase mining is interesting. Do you think that the Spaceians forced the Earthians into mining permit at some point, or do, do you think it's like a solid substance? I don't know. I I couldn't tell you because right now it's just phlebotomum, fl- right? Or what, what's the what was right, the, the yeah. trope called? It, yeah, it's unobtainium. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's unobtainium right now with Apl- applied phlebotanum. It's pure nonsensium. <laughs> it's just red. It makes your face glow. It, it's something we need to find out. And something else I'd like to find out is more about the witches because we still haven't really been told specifically what they did and what they can do. Right. Right. It's it's, it's very Phantom Menace Sith. You know, we have yeah. the, the Jedi are running around like saying, "Oh God, there's a Sith Lord," or you know, "There's always two Sith." But like. We, no one ever really sets, sits down and says, look, thousands of years ago, the Sith were these evil dark side users and they're threatened to destroy the galaxy. Nobody even says like that one sentence. So nobody, I'm surprised nobody in, in the Benderit group said, oh, witches, you know, my, you know, my grandfather used to talk about the witches and they would, you know, they, they had the power to destroy, you know, armies of mobile suits and stuff like that. So then we'd be like, oh, wow, that does sound like a problem. Um, so I, I really hope they shed more light on witches. Uh, maybe for all we know, maybe witches are extremely comfortable with violence and that's why it ended like the season ended the way it did. Oh, it could be. Yeah. Maybe she was repressing it yeah. and she kind of just reverted back. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, th- uh, speaking of the witches, Isaac, now notice they only ever referred to Saleta, Nerea and Sophie as witches. No one ever called Alana witch. Would they call him a warlock? Interesting. Or a wizard. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Or a wizard. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, he, he gets too much privilege. You notice that? <laughs> yeah, no one was calling him out, right? No, right? He's got a Gundam, too, and nobody made a big deal about that. Yeah, they um, were like, they were like, you know what? You're right. We used one, but it was only because they had one, and we wanted to show that, they, that theirs was a yeah. Gundam. That's why we used ours. And I was like, okay, but like, aren't you just as guilty? You built your own. <laughs> yeah, you know what that is? That's Gellahorn logic. We're oh, like, well, absolutely, yeah. We, yeah, we got to take out the Dane sleeve because the enemy's using weapons too. <laughs> <Just like. laughs> they, they they looked at me with a with a funny face, so I'm just going to use a yeah. Dane sleeve now. <laughs> so yeah, I'd, I'd like more light shed on the actual science or Minovsky particle stand-in. Um, if it is mined, then I guess that would maybe put a lot of emphasis on Luna and... Mercury in the future episodes. Hopefully we get to see those. Yeah, speaking of that, if you think about it at high level, if you take a step back, we didn't even see Mercury in the first 12 episodes. The show's called Witch from Mercury. Not even in uh, the prologue. No. Show me Mercury. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ooh, we might be getting hair of stars, Brian. I don't know. Is there anything else on your list? Because I was about no, to say. No, that's, that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. Then let me transition us, Brian. <laughs> what do you see coming down the train tracks? Clearly, we're going to see Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope so. I, it would be a shame to go the whole show without seeing yeah. how they colonize Mercury. Because realistically, it's too close to the sun. You can't live there. Just don't do it. But I, I think the back half is going to be, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we see Mercury. I, w- I have to assume the back half is going to be mostly unraveling Prospera and Delling's, what I can only assume is somehow interrelated backstory. Like, they clearly know each other. They're clearly dealing with whatever this Quiet Zero thing is. 
so I, I think that's going to be the, the focus of the back half, plus patching up and and putting back together the uh, Suleta and Miarine relationships, given that she now thinks she's a, a murderer due to the pancake maneuver. Yeah, yeah. What about what are you? What do you think? Uh, I think we're going to spend some time on Earth. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yep. We haven't really been there yet, so. I think we're going to, um, this is larger type prediction, but I predict they're going to iron-blooded orphans us by giving us one huge fleet battle at the end. Mm, yeah. So er- everything will be small, medium scale up until that huge fleet battle. Yeah, I could see that. I don't think Delling's gone. No, I don't think so. I think we need to know more no. about him before he dies. Yeah, I think he's down for the count. I can absolutely see him switching to the good guy's side, depending on who reveals to themselves to be the true villain. Yeah, it may not be like an actively participating role either. He might just be like, right. he's going to be hurt for a while, but he might just put all his resources behind Miarine. Oh, God. She went from like thinking he's like, oh, the worst ever to like now she's like really relying on him. You know, they had their little meeting and he gave her advice on what to do and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing about this show, Isaac. There's a lot of dad hate in this show, and as a dad, I feel attacked. <laughs> I mean, there's also a lot of dad killing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you should feel like your life is in peril, Brian. Um. I guess both of the hated dads are based... One is dead, and one, one's one got a shrapnel through him, so... God, the biggest piece of shrapnel you've ever seen, too. <laughs> Very smart that they didn't move it, though. You know, in a lot of anime and stuff, they're like, they pull out the weapon that's in you. Yeah. <laughs> And then the person bleeds out. Uh, but I, I see him being interesting, if not, if knocked out of commissioned anyways. We'll probably have to learn what happened to Miarine's mother. I feel like we're going to learn that soon. <sighs> I just don't see the doctor coming back. I don't know. Maybe she's sitting down there in Quiet Zero. Where is she? They took her away to like do more research? But, but yeah, maybe. Whatever research she's doing, they're clearly not using because like, the Gundam was a surprise to them. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that, that might torpedo yeah. Cardo theory. Yeah. Unless he's been working on it in secret, and it's like a better Gundam, and that's what Quiet oh, Zero is. Oh, Brian, it's kind of like a double play. All the Gundam hate is to make sure nobody has anything close to the Gundam they've been building this whole time. Right. That was Yeah, that was one of our original theories, ah, right? Of like, we don't like okay. it because we want it, and only we want it. Yeah. And they all they have a witch ready to go in the cockpit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I see. So... Wow, Banneret Group's going to take over the whole system. Okay. Could be. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I, Isaac, what was your favorite mobile suit design from the show? And, well, and, and especially, oh, what do you think about the aerial? I mean, that's our, that's our suit here. And the aerial yeah. rebuild, I guess. It kind of grew on me. I, I mean, I wouldn't get the, the model. It'd have to be on discount. <laughs> but um, I, I don't think it's terrible. You know, I actually kind of like the bits, how they had such a strong showing, and they really tore apart whoever they fought. Other than that, it's kind of pretty standard. Looking at it now, I, I do agree that it's a pretty feminine design, mm-hmm. um, just the proportions and stuff, but definitely pleasantly surprised. How about you? Uh, yeah, I like the area. I thought the bits were cool to watch. Like you said, the show is visually stunning, and the bits, I think, were a big part of that, because, you know, they would, like, form into different things like that was really neat we've never really seen that too much before mm-hmm. what do you think about the rebuild version of the aerial to me it looks like the it looks like unit one from double 83 when it got the upgrade on the moon and it looks a little safer than the aerial design it looks more gun to me than the normal aerial design yeah it's because of the shoulders right yeah that, that kind of yeah. they need to purple tint it 
Um. <laughs> yes, exactly. It got the Nina Purpleton upgrade pack. Yeah, it's like, well, how do we make it better? Like, well, just put booster shoulder pads on it. Um, <laughs> and make the gun so. bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bigger gun, bigger fun. Um, so Trademark. I think it might be a little too much blue. I kind of prefer the colors of the regular aerial, but it's not bad. Yeah, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's safer. I, I have seen some people not like it as much as the as the uh, first aerial, and I could understand that. But it definitely looks more gun to me, I think. We've seen it before, so I don't blame people. Yeah. But uh, right now, I think the Ferract is, is Ferract, the most interesting okay. design to me. It's just, it's like if Skeletor was given, like, the budget and an engineering team to make a Gundam. You know, he, he would have made that. <laughs> Skeletor. I could see that. I, I like the Ferract. I think it's good. I, I personally like the Darabaldi. Really? It's like the Gelgoog and Aura Battler Dunbine had a baby, and that's the Darabaldi. I like it a lot. I think it's cool. What do you think of the Mook, uh, the the Mook mobile suits we've seen? Like, I guess the ones that the little, the grunts were using and um, the school was using. So the the training suits at the school were kind of whatever. That, that was those were almost yeah. out of a different show altogether. The Desulters, I think, as they're called, that like Ghoul or Ghoul was his little squad was using at the end, and I guess the bad guys had them too, right? Because they stole them. Um, or not the bad guys, but like Naji's team. That was not the witches, the, the other normal Earthians. They stole the Desulters, I guess, and were using them against Jeturk. Those I thought were fine. Those look cool. I thought you would probably like those. Do you like those? Uh, Not really, actually. They felt too standardized for me, too boring. Wow. Too standard? A little. Well, okay, not too standardized, but I didn't like the colors. I got Gundam AGE flashbacks. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's almost too exotic of a design that we've seen before, you know? Are you think well? Which one are you thinking of? The purple ones, the green ones? Uh, yeah, per- no. Per- well, per- first I was thinking of the green ones, and then I thought of the purple ones. Oh, okay. So the green ones, the green ones, like they're from like Armored Core, right? We've seen that all before. The kind of purple ones were a little too exotic and wacky. They didn't feel gun to me. To me, the purple ones, they look neat, but it, they fall in the same category that we talked about in Iron Blooded Orphans as those one those suits that are not the Gundams. That I feel like they look they're, oh, like yeah. they're out of just Zone of the Enders, which they look really neat. I just don't think they mesh well with the show. They just look different. But maybe that's the point right. here. It comes from a different house. It was designed by a different person, so it looks different. So, I mean, I, I buy that. Mm, I guess. But let's sort of like Shadik's mobile suit. Like, I didn't care for that at all. That looks like it's from a different show. Yeah, that one looks like it's from Tekaman. That's the Michaelis, I think yeah. it was called. Which I like that one, but you're right. When you put it next to the aerial, they just don't look like they go in yeah. the same show. I don't know. Right. It, it's a great design for an anime series set, you know, in a, a different galaxy or something. But I don't think that belongs in Gundam. Too alien. Yeah. Yeah. But see, the Dar- the Darabaldi, I could see that being a post-Neo-Zeon-Zeon suit. Actually, yeah. Yeah, just because of the dimensions, right? Yeah. I, I feel like the head is very Zeon. Or like late, like late Zeon, you know? Almost too big, though. Right? Like... <laughs> It is a little big. I don't know yeah. about the thing, that little circle thing in the back. That's unnecessary. You need to drop that. But everything else looks pretty good. I don't know. At a certain point, it was just too big. I felt too wide. You know, even say what you will about the Doms and the Dom Tropins, but they don't even have that much of like a width to them. <laughs> Are you saying you have a thickness limit? Is that what you're telling me now? <laughs> there is a thickness limit, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the Delonza is like way past the thickness limit. Yeah. I don't even like the colors, though, either, you know? No, Gules Delonza was 
horrendous. I also don't like the feather that it has. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I understand what they were doing by putting a feather in it, right? To, you know, make it look interesting and stuff. But if you think about it, the scale of that feather, <laughs> it's massive. Like, it wouldn't work, right? It's like... Well, yeah, what is it made out of? It's... It would be like a Gundam holding, like, a proportional, like, flag, you know, like an American <laughs> flag. Like, that flag would just hang straight down because of the scale of the weight <laughs> at that point, you know? Like, it, it's the, nothing's going to flow in the wind. <laughs> You ever been to the zoo, Isaac? Yeah. Yeah, okay. You, you ever go to the flamingo exhibit? There's like hundreds of flamingos in the flamingo exhibit. Right, yeah. You'd have to kill the entire exhibit of flamingos and more to make the feather right. on Gules DeLance's head. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he might have only had one because they cut it in half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it got tossed. Thankfully, that suit never came back. I think he's a full-time in the Garibaldi now, so... No, that wasn't the right color, I felt, too, for him. Oh, red? Yeah. Yeah, well, the kind of magenta thing, you know. Oh, yeah, sorry, the Delonza. Yeah, his Delonza was the, yeah. pink, the pink magenta, but the, his Darabaldi's right. red. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe yeah. you could say they even split Shar three ways. They gave him the red suit. True. Prospera the mask, and Shadik the, the, the physical look. <laughs> they took it away from him, right? Yeah, I assume he's going to get it back. Yeah. Or oh, Shadik will get it. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, Gil was, he was the only one that wore his, his jacket like that, which is from what I remember reading in Japanese culture, like that's the bully way of wearing your jacket, the bad boy way of wearing your jacket. Oh, yeah. Maybe like a disrespectful way, kind of. Yeah. Everyone else is in uniform. And then that styles, stereotypically, I think in manga and anime, it's always like the bad boy of the campus or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. We definitely got interesting and different designs. So I, I applaud the series for that. I, I didn't like all of them, but um, definitely a breath of fresh air. Yeah, they were all different, and I'm sure that was their goal. Not too many, though. I feel like um, maybe we're just skewed because we just watched Victory because when that, that had a new suit every episode, whereas uh-huh. this show, I feel like I'm looking here, I only got one, two, like ten on my list. Given all the characters, that's actually not that many. I think I, have, I, think I left a few out, like the trainee one and the, whatever the Zawart was. I didn't have that on my list, but so not not too many. But I think overall, it was it was pleasant to look at, pleasant to watch. So I think that was the goal. Well, besides Ariel, any that you'd want, gunplay wise? <clears throat> I would build the Darabaldi, Yeah, if you gave me a hundred, really a, a one okay. one hundred one of that. The Fair Act is pretty cool. I think the Fair Act would look really cool as a model because you could paint those yeah those red pieces like a really bright red, mm-hmm. um, almost they'll just, they'll just pop. Yeah, you could even get like the glow in the dark paint. That'd be sweet. You know what's cool about the Darabaldi is like. I can't think of the last mobile suit I've seen that had the rhino type horn. It's very Beetleborg. It is, it is a little Beetleborg, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the uh, uh, the name escapes the bad right guy. Now. The bad guy in Beetleborg. <laughs> what was the bad guy's name again? All I can think of is Flabber. No, okay. Oh god, Red Evil Triceratops guy. I forgot oh, his name. Oh yeah, okay. Which was such a weird thing to make a villain, the Triceratops. Yeah, I mean uh, Ninja Turtles kind of did it first, but. That's true. The um, whatever they were, Saurians, I think. Yeah, something I forget their names. I think it was. I think it was Nucus. Nucus was his name. I think. Nucus. That's like, a weird name. Yep, that, that was him. Nucus. Yeah. <laughs> what a theme song. Yeah. I'm... Big bad beetle Borgs. We have to compete with Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out. No, it didn't work. But yeah, I think I'd. I, I would build the Fair Act. I would build the Darabaldi. The rest, not so much. Uh, aerials, it's cool. If you gave it to me, I'd build it. I wouldn't go buy it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, a, that's I, I'm fair. a little disappointed in, in the other witch suits, Isaac. I hope those get better upgrades in the back half. 
I mean, they have to be destroyed, but yes, they're they're, they're just so bland. They're very know? very bland. I would hope I would have hoped that they were equally as visually appealing as the aerial. They're just so blocky, you know, for Gundams, and I see what you mean about the proportions. Just because, like, especially the brown one, it's just yeah. too squat. I don't even remember it looking like that in the show, but yeah. No, well, with movement, it moves so much, and then yeah. you view the actual like art itself, and you're like, wow. This thing should yeah. still move. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, I, I thoroughly enjoy these 12 episodes. It's a breath of fresh air. It was a fun ride. And I absolutely think anyone listening to us right now should try to make time, if they like Gundam, to watch these 12 episodes. Agreed. So listeners, let us know what you thought about the first half. And probably let us know what you thought about the back half, given that when by the time I edit this, the show will be over. And uh, we will be probably recording the back half review. So... Um, oh, that's the thing I left out, Isaac. I guess I hope in the back half we get a cliffhanger and they announce a season two. So that's what I would want. Yep, season two, season three, to make it happen. Oh, should we even rate the first half, Isaac? I think, oh, that's a good question. I say we go for it because we're at this point in the journey. They clearly put like a hard stop at the end of the season. Let's let's do it. All right, uh, you go first. All right, Brian. I will give The Witch from Mercury four out of five horrors i agree i would also give it an eight out of ten on my scale and i think the reason for that isaac is it's been great but i think we're missing some really big backstory and world building things and i don't really think it's a complete story until we get those so i hope we get that in the back half it's gonna be a fun ride i want to explore the mysteries um it's really interesting and uh i say all full speed ahead agreed isaac take us away all right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed. Get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, and hail the Benerit group. Good night, everybody.